Well, hello and welcome to episode number 412 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show, one airline takes a whiz in Malta. We take a look at Wi-Fi and one baby reaches a new frontier. In the military news this week, well, we might have some, we never know. It all depends whether... Someone turns up to the show because he's busy flying, but uh, more on that later. But welcome back uh, to the show this week, as always. The guy who sits literally across the village valley from where I am here in the Suffolk <laughs> countryside it is, of course, Matt Smith. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. What do you mean, like, welcome back? I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> It, no, was no. it was you lot that had all disappeared last week, honestly. Uh, but I, I think know. we got away with it. I think we got away with it. We did. <laughs> it was a blinking good show. Was, wasn't it? We yeah. were very honoured. We were very honoured to have the guests that we had. It was, yes. a, it was a lot of fun. It really was. How are you, what? mate? What have you been up to? What were your excuses for last week, please? I need, I, you know, come on. I want your notes well, now, please. I'm, I'm pleased to say, well, I say pleased. I use that term incredibly loosely. But I'm pleased to say that the exhibition seat or exhibitions are all back on again. Here oh, of course, yeah. So um, last week I was doing a, a stand, an exhibition stand takeout from uh, the NEC in Birmingham, oh. which is one of our big exhibition centres here in the UK. Um, actually, in the hotel next to the Hilton Hotel, I'll have you know, Lovely. next door. Um, to that, so we were taking a stand down, and we couldn't get in till after the event had finished. Hence the reason I couldn't make it to the show. Uh, and, uh, actually, yes, while, while you're mentioning while you're mentioning stands of stuff, of course, yes. uh, I believe it, there's a similar excuse note in your folder, Nev, for last week as well. <laughs> yes, I thought I'd get the excuse in quickly. Um, I was in sunny Barcelona, and it was very oh. sunny uh, for our big exhibition there. Uh, really hectic, but uh, because none of us have done a show like that for a couple of years because <laughs> of the COVID business, yes, uh, we weren't really roadworthy, I would say. So, right, the, uh, the considerable amount of tiredness <laughs> and irritability came towards the end of oh, it. Oh goodness, I think. right. Uh, yeah. But um, no, it was it was a great uh, great venue. It's the first time I've been to that venue, and it's going to be there for the next few years as well. So, uh, but uh, no, it was uh, great, and uh, glad to be back on the show this week as well. Indeed. Well, well, thank you. As I say, thanks for, for being there. As I say, it's, his location sounds a little bit more glamorous than yours, Carlos. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm mm, Barcelona or the Excel Center or the, or the Birmingham uh, NEC. Hmm. Tricky one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was at the Excel. For those, oh, Excel. Who, for those of you who are at the, no, well, yesterday, for those of you who are in the UK and you, you've heard and know about the Excel Center in, in just outside London, I was there yeah. yesterday doing a similar thing but to a uh, an event stand about four times the size of the one from last week and uh yeah it's safe to say that the excel <laughs> is not my favorite place to go and do an exhibition uh, neil lamborn has said was it like one of steph's conferences nev yeah well yes it was an exhibition <laughs> and conference uh, working very hard and actually the other thing about it was uh the show didn't finish till seven every night oh, and gosh. because the spanish have a penchant for eating late ah. um, we didn't get back to the hotel till probably nine something like that um and then started eating at gone 10 o'clock which uh, 10 may o'clock? suit some people but it doesn't suit 
your uncle Nev. No, so, no, I can uh, say 10 o'clock I'm thinking about bed, never mind yeah. starting to eat and, and consuming Having beers. A big pizza and stuff. Or something. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, they're rather partial to the occasional sort of like afternoon nap, aren't they? Yes. Rather partial well, to siesta. Yeah. Well we, didn't, well, we didn't get any of that, so we just went straight the way through. <laughs> oh, unfortunately. No. Yeah, I, have to, I have to ask a question for the mm. benefit of our listeners. And because uh, we we all love to know what what was the what was the event that you were um, at? Oh, it's the uh, in, um, Integrated Systems Europe ISE, and it's the largest audiovisual show actually in the world now. Um, it was at the Amsterdam Rye for many years, and this is the first time it's been in Barcelona because it's basically outgrown the venue. Um, and um, so we're going to be there for the next few years. The next time is going to be in at the end of January. So. So it's uh, January for four days. So it won't be as warm, but it'll be a darn sight warmer than Amsterdam, probably. Well, yes, <laughs> I bet. Because we're all, all used to getting very chilly uh, in Amsterdam uh, at the start of the year. So, uh, But no, great show, very well attended. Um, and it's nice to be back sort of face-to-face <laughs> meetings and, and that sort of business. I bet. You know, I and bet. I, I have to ask as well, Nev, because the, the company that we do our exhibitions for here um, in the UK... They have all those random giveaways that they have on their exhibition stands to give to people. Do you have those random giveaways with the... Uh, we we do. Uh, we have um, what I would call normal giveaways for our normal, uh, you know, walk-up type punters. <laughs> but then we have some special ones, like some very nice mag lights oh. and things like that, which we, only, which we reserve for our VIP customers. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah. How does, how does one become a VIP customer? This oh, like- uh, you just need to have a word with your account manager. Oh. Uh, moi, uh, oh. And I, I, I'll, I'll put in a good word. <laughs> Oh, lovely. Uh, Carlos, we need some new equipment for the studio. I've not decided what yet, but I really want a mag light. Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll give my my friend Nev a call. Okay. All right. Let me know how you get on with that, please. I I can't stress enough. I really want a mag light. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's it's better than the the giveaways that that, that our particular company, the company that we were doing the uh, work for, Mm. had there. They had car air fresheners. Mm. I, I beg your pardon. Yes, car out, car air fresheners, Ooh. and some pens. Okay. I, I, uh, once again, if I could just say, I'd really like a mag light of some description. <laughs> um. What's that, Matt? You want a car? Air fr- I'll get you a car. No, 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 no. I couldn't give a rat's mo- no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't give a rat's monkey about a, about a car air freshener. I wouldn't mind a Maglite. Anyway, this has got oh, absolutely oh, nothing right. to do with aviation. We should anyway, probably, we should probably get on with this show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're okay. going to say a big hello to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. Let's have a look and see who's joined us tonight. So we've got uh, Richard Adams. Hello to you, Richard. Lee Davies is also in there. Matt Smith is in there, wielding his blue Hello. spanner of doom. Uh, we've got Neville Bounds, also wielding a blue spanner of doom. Uh, we have got, we scroll down, Captain, or Captain Ridiculous Wits. Good to see you in there. Mazus Karim, hello to you, Mazus. Uh, nice to see you in there. Stephen Ivey has also joined us in there this evening. Hello to you, Stephen. Uh, Dirk S., hello to you. Uh, Main Man Micah has also got his blue spanner yes. uh, ready to roll. Uh, Neil yes, Lamborn, yes. hello to you, Neil. Uh, hello, hello to Flyer152 as well. Uh, good to see you in. Alan White, hello to you, Alan. Hope you're having a nice evening there, enjoying the sun, because it's sunny here as well. And we have got... Uh, <laughs> and look, at, look at the screen, Carlos. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, hello. Yes, yes, yes. Don't forget. We can't yeah. can't forget to say yeah. Nick. Me, hello me, me. Say Hi, me, Nick. me, me. Nick Codling. <laughs> right. Hello to you. I'm scrolling down the list, Nick. Right, right. okay. Yeah, yeah. And also, hello to Andy Williamson as well. Hello to you, Andy. Thank you for joining us this evening. Nev, 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 Nev. Uh, Fly152 says that mag lights are old hat technology. You want LED lenser, laser now, or lenser? LED lenser. I've got one. I've Have got you? I've got a P7. Yeah. What, what's that? It's an awesome torch. Okay. So I, I want to see it at the end of the show, please. I need to know I need to know what one of these is all about. Sorry. They are, <laughs> they are next level. Trust right. me. Okay. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Anyway, uh, so thanks everyone for joining us this evening. And uh, if you are listening to our glorious voices uh, on the audio version and you want to find out what we all look like, because, I mean, Nev and Matt are both stunning, oh. uh, take yourselves over to the YouTube page. Check oh, us out in Plain Talking UK. I know, it's just beer. <laughs> and uh, don't forget... Ah, he's, to ah he's got his beer goggles on. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, yes, yeah. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and yes, click that bell icon uh, to find out when we are recording, when Matt clicks that go live button every week on a Friday mm. night at 7 o'clock. And join us in the chat room because we'd love to have you in there with us. We would, definitely. So there's been loads of great news stories, loads going on in the world of aviation this week. And uh, if all the team is ready i know armando's not with us but he <laughs> might be with us he might be with us soon so don't yeah, panic fingers crossed yeah absolutely yeah is uh nev are you ready yes i am off we oh, go all right matt go on and hit the button captain has turned on the seatbelt light please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts So this week's first news story comes to us uh, from the website that uh, is not on here because I think our producer, John, forgot to put the website link on. But we'll try and find that. So this one comes to us uh, all about Wiz Air. And uh, for those of you who watch the show regularly will know I have a certain passion for a, a certain island um, in Europe. Oh, would that be Malta by any chance? As a, as oh, right, Malta, yes. right, yeah. So Wiz Air has outlined plans to set up a new subsidiary uh, registered in Malta as it aims to strengthen its position and expansion plans in Europe, subject to confirmation of its AOC or Air Operators Certificate and OL operating license from the EASA or the European Union Aviation Safety Agency and CAD, Civil Aviation Directorate, uh, Transport Malta, Wiz Air Malta may begin operations in October this year with Maltese registered aircraft. That'll be nine hotel. Uh, Wiz Air Chief Executive Officer Jose Varadi said Wiz Air is constantly evaluating the structure of its business and exploring options to establish new AOCs and bases in Europe and beyond. The successful establishment of Wiz Air Malta later this year will help reinforce our strong position and support our plans in Europe. Europe, he said. Uh, Patrick Kai, executive director of EASA, said the new setup 
where one group will operate multiple AOCs based in different member states, but overseen by the same competent authority, demonstrates the possibilities available through the transfer of responsibilities to EASA. Captain Charles Pace, Director of General of the uh, Civil Aviation Directorate of Malta, stated it is an honour to have Wizz Air as one of the airlines selecting Malta as one of their principal places of business. Elsewhere in the world, on the 10th of May this year, uh, Wizz Air signed a memorandum of understanding with the Ministry of Investment of Saudi Arabia over potential airline investment into the local aviation market as part of the Saudi Arabian Project for Domestic and Foreign Investors Vision for 2030. Now, me and Nev were having a little chat earlier on today about this story. And uh, those of you probably know that Malta is not the biggest airline, uh, biggest uh, island, I should say, in the Mediterranean. It's... Um, it, tr- trust me, it takes probably around about 35, 40 minutes of drive from one end of the island to the other in a car. And uh, as much as this is good news, I just worry that, uh, you know, we are going to see an increase in traffic into Malta. Not saying that, that tourism is a bad thing for the island because it's what sustains the island and, and lets it, um, you know, keeps it going. But, you know, it is a small island and it just worries me a bit that it may get a little bit um, too full. There's no pleasing you, is there? I mean, I know it wasn't that long ago. We go, oh, it's all doom and gloom. No one's flying. It's all a nightmare. And here we are with Wizz Air going full on. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to be basing aircraft in Luca. That will be interesting to see if they do that as well. Um, but I think that there, is, there was always going to be this big surge immediately after the worst parts of the pandemic. Um, now, as long as the infrastructure can cope with it all, um, in terms of the terminal, the baggage handling, the staffing, then I think we're okay. But it's good. Uh, it is a good initiative, initiative, though, isn't it? I think we uh, are doing a lot of expansion in all sorts of different parts of Europe at the moment. So um, mm. no, it looks it look, looks good. I think. Yeah, I I don't doubt that um, Malta, the the actual Luca Airport, can um, can can you. Know, can't, you know, can't cope because they did they've invested really heavily in the airport over the last four or five years and especially in the last two years they've invested really heavily in, in uh, building new um, parts of the airport such as the uh, car park they've just built behind the airport itself and the multi-story car park which has taken a lot of um, um, stress from the back of the end of the airport so i think that i think they'll cope well the airport will cope well it's got it's got the capacity to to take that at the aircraft and stuff it's just the island itself nev um but the one of the things that me and never saying earlier matt is is like you've got ryanair and easyjet both flying into malta quite regularly mm-hmm. uh Wizz Air also flying to malta although not as regularly at the moment but i think and obviously, you've got Air Malta, the the, the uh, national airline of Malta that flies from the UK to to Malta. It'll be interesting to see the the difference. Now you're going to have four airlines: Ryanair, EasyJet, Air Malta, and Wizz Air, all vying for um, business from potentially the UK to Malta. Well, it's got to be all about price, surely, isn't that what's going oh, yeah. to decide it at the end of the day? I mean, if they want, they want to have a busy, um, you know, flight going into, then you know they're going to have to compete, aren't they? Literally compete with each other 
for the best price if there isn't the demand there. I mean, they might be lucky. There might be the demand. I mean, uh, if it if if it were me and I had the money, I'd be so buying a hotel on Malta right now, thinking, <laughs> oh, hello, this could be interesting times. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, that's my that's my theory. Is um, yeah, I think I think all it'll mean is that flights are going to be very competitive, and that can't be a bad thing for the industry, I guess. Yeah, Stephen mm-hmm. Ivy makes a good point actually in the chat room, Matt. There, does he? Okay, I'll take he your word for it. it. Yeah, Stephen. <laughs> uh, Stephen's saying so. That means cheap tickets to Malta. Should we plan the five hundredth there now? Ooh, oh, oh you, you would you would love that, wouldn't you? You would absolutely like me. Ooh, come over all flustered there. I quite like Nev's idea. I quite fancy uh, where you were suggesting we went, we went Nev, actually, because I've never uh, been there. Oh, uh, we were going to go to Gibraltar, weren't we? Yes. Uh, was it Gibraltar was or was it somewhere at Fortaventura? No, somewhere. Oh, Fortaventura. That was yeah. the other possibility. Yes, yeah. Mm. Certainly. Somewhere warm. Uh, yes. Uh, you're noting a theme here, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somewhere not in London. In February oh, is essentially what is, is essentially what we're we're planning with. Anyway, we'll move on. Talking of low cost airlines Next and story, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, now John has put on this one. Matt's love of flying with Europe's favourite and most infamous airline means that he gets this story, maybe to his relief, about the shortest flights that he could possibly take with them. Quite excited by this. Uh, this is on simpleflying.com. Uh, the Ryanair Group has uh, so it's Ryanair's shortest routes this summer, basically. Uh, the Ryanair Group has more Europe flights than any other airline this summer. It has approximately, this is a silly number, 616,000. 200 to choose from across the Ryanair group, Ryanair UK, Air, Malta Air, and of course, Buzz, according to Sirium. The group has an eye opening uh, 117.7 million seats for sale this summer, 22% more than the summer of 2019. Uh, Ryanair's average sector length is 764 miles. That's 1,230 kilometres. But let's take a look at the shortest routes on the group's summer network. So we'll start at number 10. Uh, It's 139 miles, 224 kilometres. And that is Stockholm uh, Stockholm to Visby, uh, which is, uh, as I say, that's uh, in at number 10. Number 9, Athens. Uh, to Santorini, uh, that's 136 miles or 219 kilometres. Seville to, te- to is it Tatorian? Tetuan. Tetuan. Thank you. Sorry, that's really uh, sorry. I, this, this is where it shows my naivety of places outside of the UK to go, doesn't it? Really. Uh, anyway, that's 130 miles, 209 kilometres. Seven is Barcelona to Parma. That's 125 miles or 201 kilometres. At six, it's Seville to Tangier. Uh, that's 116 miles, 187 kilometres. Uh, five is Catina uh, to uh, Malta. Uh, 115 miles, 185 kilometres. Four is Alicante to Ibiza. That's 112 miles or 180 kilometres. Uh, or we can go Ibiza to Valencia. Uh, that's 108 miles or 174 kilometres. Uh, Malaga to Tangier. That is 103 miles or 166 kilometres. Uh, but at number one in this, the shortest route uh, in Europe that they do, uh, this is Ryanair, of course, Malaga uh, to Tetran uh, at 
188 miles, 142 kilometers. That's quite. That's a hardly worth starting out. Yeah, absolutely. At just 100, uh, sorry, at just 88 miles, uh, the ULCC's shortest route is from Malacca to Tehran uh, in Morocco, operating three times a week. Uh, it began in April 2019 and has a block time uh, to said country of 45 minutes and 40 minutes back. That's crazy, isn't it? Because it takes longer to go to Ireland from Stansted, which just seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Uh, going to Africa, one sub-hour block time, and the fact that Morocco is one hour behind means it's a good example of time travel arriving before you leave. On the day of writing, FR4539 departed uh, Malaga at 12.55 and arrived at uh, Teteran at uh, 12.40 local time a common feature of all of the top 10 shortest routes is that they all cross some body of water as such flying is often a quicker and more convenient option so there we go that's our officially ryanair shortest route there you go. <laughs> 88 miles God, i mean i, I don't I done four times that yesterday. You did, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. I couldn't agree more. It's still quite scary, really, isn't it? That you, you know, such a. Sh- I mean, all right, admittedly, Malaga. So you're sort of, you know, well into Europe, shall we say, before you do that. Um, but you know, sort of basically Europe to Africa, eighty-eight miles essentially, which is just crazy, isn't it? Really, it's, it's this. You know, I think this aviation thing could catch on. You know. Well, yes, I think so. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how you know for that for that eighty-eight mile one, the Malaga to Tetuan. I wonder how much money they make for a full flight. You know, with one hundred and one hundred eighty-nine passengers, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. How much money they make on that flight? Well, I it's probably I, own, uh, uh, not more than uh, I don't know um, three quid per passenger. Yes, but also it's only flying at probably at six thousand feet. I'll also, imagine. also, Not even that probably eighty-eight miles. I wonder if you take uh, take into consideration that the average what is it? It's one hundred and seventy-nine point nine pence a litre for diesel at the moment at the co-op up the road from Definitely me. not blimey that's cheap yeah uh, it's actually not bad the co-op is actually surprisingly co- competitive which is unusual for Bungie I'll give you that um, I wonder how far you could go uh, how much it would cost you to travel 88 miles just out of curiosity, bearing in mind, you know, I think mine will do about uh, mine will do about fifty six point nine to the gallon, something like that. I wonder how how much it would cost you to go eighty eight miles in a diesel car versus how much it would cost you to buy a Ryanair flight to fly from Malaga to to, to Morocco. Basically, somebody go away and do some maths, will they? Because <laughs> I think yeah, that'd be a, doing, that'd be a fascinating comparison, wouldn't it? <laughs> Because yeah, we'll, we'll I listen to go and book a flight. I know. Week. I said, well, no, I'm not saying book a flight. I, th- I think it's uh, <laughs> what what I'm what I'm suggesting is I suspect it might be cheaper to fly from the 88 miles using using a Boeing 737-800 to go. <laughs> To go from to go from is it Dash? No, it's not Dash. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm just surprised you said that. Okay, all right. Well, no, because you have I to still have to have a drink. <laughs> no, because you have to differentiate now, don't you? Because they've got the eight three hundred as well, haven't they? Which is the, which is the, which is the um, the, 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 the non the non max, but well, the max non max <laughs> version. If you see what I mean, yeah. You see, I, I told I told you. Look, Andy gave me a book. He's when, learning. Andy boy, gave me a book, and I'm learning. Learn. Look, there you go. The boy is learning. <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, no, genuinely, as I say, I, I reckon, you know, it would be cheaper to to do that 88 miles in an aeroplane currently than it would be to do it in, in Nev's diesel car. <laughs> Neil Lamborn says that we need uh, a DeLorean. Right. Yes, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. Right. It's the flux capacitor and the uh, exactly. the nuclear power that's required to energise it. I think that's the only slight <laughs> issue. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the next story because normally we'd uh, move on to Nev for a BA story, but because mm. BA have been so blooming good this week with their <laughs> airline, Nev's unfortunately happened to take a slightly different airline. Oh, no. Well, but yes, I mean, the crewing problem is <laughs> right across the board. Ongoing issue, yeah. I don't think it's limited to one airline at all, but on the BBC.com website, it says that EasyJet is to offer new and existing cabin crew a £1,000 bonus at the end of the summer holiday season as airlines battle to retrain and recruit staff. The airline said that payments would acknowledge crews' contributions to what it expects to be a busy summer with travel at near pre-COVID levels. It was revealed last month that British Airways is offering the same amount to new joiners as a golden hello. Uh, the UK's ending of travel restrictions has seen demand for holidays soar and the aviation industry sheds thousands of jobs during the pandemic and airports and airlines have been racing to recruit staff for months as they plan for a bumper summer. However, some have struggled to hire new staff quickly enough. Don't we know it? Uh, mm-hmm. Both EasyJet and BA have cancelled hundreds of flights amid workforce shortages, which have been compounded by COVID absences. Uh, EasyJet plans to remove seats on some of its aircraft this summer so that it can operate flights with fewer cabin crew. By taking out the back row of seating on its A319 fleet, EasyJet said that it will be able to fly with three cabin crew instead of four, and that would limit numbers on board to a maximum of 150 passengers as it's required to have one crew member in the cabin for every 50 passengers or segment of 50 passengers that can potentially be carried on an aircraft. Uh, EasyJet said that it was an effective way of operating the fleet whilst building additional resilience and flexibility into the airline's operation. Flights would still meet the CAA regulations on the required number of cabin crew, which is based on the number of physical seats rather than the passengers on board. Well, I think they're going to have to do whatever they can, aren't they? Because um, crewing is uh, a bit fundamental. We, we've seen just a couple of weeks ago with BA uh, wet leasing four Finnair A321s and two Titan 757s, not because they're short of aircraft, but because they're short of crew. Um, so, um, yeah, it's ongoing and it's affecting um, a whole, well, a, a massive segment uh, across the industry, I think, isn't it? Mm. Agreed. I think Titan must be rubbing our hands together, Nev. You know, because they've, they've obviously got the aircraft and the crew, and the air, the uh, big airlines haven't got the crew. So you know, Titan are uh, loving this at the moment. I think probably um, you know, plenty of work for them. Well, yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think this this will sort itself out. But of course, we've just come into that extremely busy period now mm. between now and september where the covid situation has stabilized in in many countries and of course the desire to travel is is greater than ever it is very much so it is very much so. in fact as as we speak my friends uh, who i work with at the company i work for are currently on their way to carcassonne for a for a winemakers tour i mean how jealous am i of them <laughs> mm. well we'll beam you up there Star Trek style. Right, thanks for that. 
So the next story, next story, and uh, we are. I mean, we, God, we cover these stories every now and again on the show. Don't we? We, have, we focused on these on uh, one of the specials. I think we done, didn't we? Um, but uh, this one comes to us from edition.cnn.com. And uh, teenage pilot lands in Kenya amid record-setting flight attempt. God, it seems like they get younger and younger. You know, we're going to be yeah. doing a story on here soon where a toddler, you know, does a round-the-world trip in a <laughs> Cessna 150. Anyway, this one is a 16-year-old schoolboy who is on a quest to become the youngest person to fly around the world solo landed his small plane in kenya's capital nairobi on wednesday this week mac rutherford who has british and belgian nationality started his journey near the bulgarian capital of sofia in march and is looking to clinch a guinness world record currently held by compatriot travis ludlow who was 18 when he completed a circumnavigation last year He said that I'm hoping with this journey to inspire young people to follow their dreams, Rutherford said, after clambering out of his two-seater single-prop ultralight aircraft at Wilson Airport. The plane's manufacturer, Shark Aero, deemed the journey too risky and declined to partner with Rutherford's project. So Mac is uh, no doubt a skilled pilot. However, we do not feel comfortable pushing the age limit to the lowest possible point for journeys where a certain level of risk cannot be avoided the company said on its website so rutherford's journey will see him visit four more african and indian ocean countries before heading to the middle east asia north america and finally returning to europe coming from a family of pilots rutherford's first uh, took the controls of an aircraft at the age of seven years old sitting alongside his father at 15 he became the youngest pilot in the world and is now following it in the footsteps of his older sister zara the youngest woman to fly around the world at the age of 19 visibility was challenging while flying across the sahara desert he said but the scenery more than made up for it And he hasn't let me down. He said he absolutely loved the views both around the Sahara Desert and in Kenya. So, 16. Hmm. Wow. Nice. Um, I mean, I think that is the youngest that we're going to see because that is the youngest that you can legally, Mm -hmm. I think, do this particular thing. But even at that age, you know, you've you've only probably got the best part of, uh, you know, a year's worth of, you know, flying under your belt as such. There is a lot to learn when you're when you're that age. Mind you, being that young, you can probably learn things a lot easier than we can. Oh like, yeah, I like pages. Yeah, I don't know. I is this is this really wrong with me? I'm getting a little bit. I, I like tra- Travis was amazing. We got to t- and obviously we were very lucky when we got to chat to Shanista, uh, obviously who was uh, uh, sorry Shasta, yeah, Shasta, yeah. who had obviously done, done something similar and stuff. And they were all great stories, weren't they? When you know, and about, uh, am I am I wrong in like getting a bit bored with this now? <laughs> you know, it's just like. I suppose it's just evolution, isn't it? Everybody's trying to outdo everybody else, and and uh, I, I guess even 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 Travis was probably aware that he wouldn't hold the record for that long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Perhaps I'm being a little bit too old and cynical. <laughs> what do you think, Mr. Bounds? Um, it's always amazed me how you can have a private pilot's license before a driving license, um, but. 
you know, let's be absolutely honest about this. If someone has got the aptitude and the capability and the skill set, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. But there must be a surely a lower age limit somewhere where it's yeah, well, what is, what is the fish, official them. rules in, in terms of learning to fly here in the uk for example there must be a lower age limit oh yeah you can start at 16 it's an internet right. question i think isn't it yeah, yes it is yeah yeah, yeah. well there you, you go can, you, can, you can learn you can um, start flying lessons well at any age really you know even even we could go and learn no matter 45 <sighs> go on <sighs> I, I mean, even even Nev could go and start learning now at his um, age of, of thirty one. Yeah. Uh, true, yes. absolutely, Quite. yeah, indeed. I wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder if I would. I don't. Do you know? I genuinely don't know if I'd be able to retain the information. That's perhaps this is a conversation for Armando when he joins us a bit later on. I think, but uh, yeah, never mind. Never mind. So yeah. next story. And, Thanks uh, for that. I'm depressed now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We'll, we'll get you. We'll get your parachuting soon. So oh, next- I beg your pardon. No, 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 no. no. You back that in. <laughs> next story, uh, Nev is um, all for you lovers of uh, tape. Now, as we don't have a proper pilot on the show at the moment, but we are going to be having one shortly, hopefully, uh, I'm going to reach out to the chat room here. So, any pilots in the chat room, please comment in the chat room about this story because i find it phenomenal uh, it's on flightglobal.com and the avherald.com Qantas and boeing are revising aircraft maintenance procedures after one of the carriers 787-9s flew from melbourne to los angeles without having the covers of its engine static ports removed all four ports two on each of the general electric gnx Uh, engine fan cowls had been taped over along with others on the fuselage by an engineer as part of the parking process during the jet's scheduled 39-hour layover in Melbourne. But a second engineer tasked with restoring the aircraft to flight on the 21st of September last year was unaware that the fan cowl ports had been covered and did not check, said the Australian uh, Transport Safety Bureau. Uh, The aircraft, which was Victor Hotel Zulu November Juliet subsequently took off for Los Angeles on the 22nd of September with the port still covered although the inquiry states that the 787's flight proceeded normally and the jet's operation was unaffected. Fan cowl static ports provide air pressure data to the engine electronic control if the normal air data reference system becomes unavailable. There are amongst 14 static ports located on the 787's fuselage, engine and fin. Boeing's cover procedure for the cowl ports includes fitting a one metre long streamer which needs to be taped down to avoid being torn off by strong winds. This, however, reduces its visibility because it does not flap in the breeze. The inquiry says that the ports are below eye level, which can make them more difficult to identify without a specific check beneath the engine. It also says that Qantas's maintenance procedures, whilst requiring the static ports to be covered, did not specify locations, allowing potentially, uh, potentially different interpretations between engineers. Warnings were more in line with the fuselage static ports, it adds, than, uh, than potential issues with those on the cowlings or fins. 
in. As it was likely that different engineers would park and restore the aircraft, listing the static port locations with a separate endorsement for each would have eased identification of which ports were covered, it said. Neither the uh, Donata dispatcher nor the aircraft's crew managed to detect the presence of the static port covers. The inquiry says expectation bias might have played a role, with people more likely to, to detect targets that are expected than those not expected. It also points out that one of the pilots found a piso cover on the ground during the walk round and tried to locate an engineer, and this might have resulted in distraction from the inspection. Qantas has highlighted the uh, yes, that's right. Qantas has highlighted the location of the Cal ports and the fact they might be covered during parking to cockpit engineering and ramp personnel and amended its parking and restoration instructions to reference Boeing procedures. Boeing is scheduled to revise the maintenance manual in June to include a procedural requirement to add a warning tag to the aircraft's control column, specifically stating that the engine static ports are covered. Okay, so we do have a couple of interesting, obviously with your plea for a bit of information there, Nev, we do have a couple of comments. The one uh, most notably, I think, if that's okay, I don't know if you can pop it up for us, which was from Andy Wilson. He was saying, uh, uh, I I suppose almost leaping to their defence, saying uh, very, very difficult to see them under the engines, uh, especially if the flags were taped down. Sounds like a bit of a design issue here it'd be interesting to see what uh, other people uh make of that i mean uh, you know m- the naivety on my part is sort of thinking this is a walk around issue do you know what i mean where something's not been you know and you mentioned obviously towards the end of the story there about being distracted and and all that kind of thing i've it, seen the pictures on the aviation Herald website and they, you know this it's not like mm-hmm. clear see-through tape it is fairly brightly red colored tape that does stand out quite in my view, it stands out quite fairly, but but if it's in a place that's not um, readily accessible, viewable, um, tucked up behind an engine, and you're doing a quick walk round check, I'm not saying that that's you know I I yeah, I, I, I could see how it'd be very easy to I, miss. I could see how I could see how you'd miss this on a seven three because mm. the engines are really low to the ground, and if you look where the static ports are, or static um, ports are on the uh, engine, you know they are kind of underneath and the seven threes engines obviously sit quite low to the ground but on the on the seven eight the engines are a, a bit higher off the ground they mm. are not i wouldn't say at eye level but you know it's i just i'm just shocked that, that, that no one spotted mm. this uh well and uh, the air stick is saying this story is uh, less about competence and more about crew resource management distraction on top of this which i think is is very true uh also um uh, Alex Robinson is saying, I think uh, we're going to be seeing a fair fair few more 787 pilots ducking down to check underneath the engines from now on. I think that's, uh, I think that's fair as well. It, yeah, Alan, White, Alan White makes a good point, actually. On a Qantas aircraft, yellow might stand out a bit better than red. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I hadn't thought of that. You're using red coloured tape on red ca- engine cowlings. Yeah. Would it jump out that much? I mean, even if it got like that reflective, like sort of quality about it, uh, 
let's be honest i mean how realistically you know how, how likely is it to really jump out on you all it would take is a maybe a slightly dull day or, or something like that i i don't know i, I guess i think the other thing is as uh, andy has just pointed out in the chat room uh, the walk round has got a very specific items to look at and mm. from my recollection andy uh, you would normally t- go around clockwise around the aircraft starting at at the front from videos that i've seen and i would imagine that there is a lot of potential for distraction as well talking to a dispatcher that may be close by the fueling folks maybe all all kinds of things and also poor weather uh, as well Uh, we don't know what the weather conditions were like in that that scenario but um yeah it's it does have potential to uh for distraction i i would say that the, the walk around definitely mm-hmm. actually captain cruz says that Qantas 787 engines are all white in color right okay so that's not yeah i don't mm-hmm. know anyway i mean we could go on and on about it i suppose yeah. at the end of the day we weren't there there could be any number of reasons why and i guess that's what all these reports are about aren't they, a the quick the uh, quick armando update mm. everyone oh. uh, we have had an update from armando he will be here soon albeit in audio form, not rather than video, but he will be with us soon. So don't panic, everyone. Armando will be with us soon. Uh, Matt, you've got the next story. And uh, as always, it's got to be a tech story for you, hasn't it? Yes, thanks for this. I'm not quite sure what to do <laughs> to do with this one. It's like I spend the least amount of time in airports. Nev is probably the best one to answer many of the questions in this report. But anyway, uh, these are the airports with the fastest free Wi-Fi in the world. Although I feel like I need to do it Jeremy Clarkson style. It's like these are the fastest airports with the fastest free Wi-Fi in the world. Uh, <laughs> Oakla, who, if like me, you use their app to test uh, speeds, uh, has just published its list of airports with the fastest free Wi-Fi in the world during Q1 2022. God, it sounds like radar figures when they, when they report it like that. Anyway, uh, the analysis focuses on Wi-Fi over mobile connections on free Wi-Fi provided by the individual airports and Wi-Fi at selected airport lounges for US Air airports come top of the list on the top of the list with the fastest free wi-fi in airport san francisco international airport showed a median download of 176.25 megabits per second uh, during q1 2022 followed by seattle tacoma uh, international airport dallas fort worth international airport and chicago o'hare international airport oakla's report also suggests that wi-fi in airport lounges is often faster than free airport wi-fi ukla said that all of these airports in the top 10 are international hubs that passengers from around the world pass through on their way to all kinds of destinations Uh, flyers waiting for connecting planes at these airports should have no trouble with internet speeds in case of video calls Uh, upload speeds are even faster than downloads at all of these locations and san francisco and uh, SeaTac had the fastest uploads on the list Uh, so the top 10 are san francisco as we mentioned already uh, seattle tacoma uh that one was very quick we haven't got the actual speeds here unfortunately but they're they're good they're they're pretty good numbers uh dallas fort worth o'hare international dubai international airport is sort of middle middle for diddle in the middle of the table there which does surprise me slightly i have to be honest uh hartsfield jackson atlanta international amsterdam schip 
Schiphol, uh, that scores quite highly. Uh, we've got Los Angeles Airport, uh, Denver and Denver International. So actually, it's mostly uh, US airports in, in that uh, list to say, apart from, really, apart from Dubai and uh, Amsterdam. I, I, I said the same, same earlier. Uh, I, one mm. thing that surprised me with this list is is looking at how amazing and shiny and glamorous Dubai is, having all the best this, the best that, and the best everything. That I th- I thought that Dubai would have been up there with the fastest airport Wi-Fi, but obviously not. I I suppose I don't know. <laughs> Nev, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do I do feel like. Um... A lot of the the countries, you know, where Dubai is based, have a bit of a love hate relationship with the internet. I don't, I don't know whether that would play into. Yeah, and also, I mean, I'm just thinking about um, the airport Wi-Fi I've been using around Europe recently. It's not that good because obviously everybody's jumping on it. Yeah, um, true. I have certainly found. I mean, and data isn't that costly really depending mm. on what you're doing but a lot of places i've been to and certainly heathrow uh 5g on the phone works a treat um yeah. and you don't even need to, you'll find that is a lot quicker than the airport wi-fi oh um, yeah mm. uh, but um depends yeah, on your roaming uh, package i suppose doesn't it i mean i dare does, say nev you're yes. very you're very organized um as a, as i'm sure producer john is obviously i mean he flies all over the world all the time um it's 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 um lackeys like me and carlos who do a little bit of every now and again flying that are sort of thinking "Ooh, what data package do i need and what's the best deal and (laughs) and all that kind of thing because of course we have lost a lot of our roaming um uh flexibility shall we say oh yeah uh, since uh sort of quite recently haven't we well I wouldn't go quite that far. No, okay. There, there are a number of arrangements in place between UK providers and other providers in Europe as well. Mm. So um, very often when I'm flying in somewhere, uh, my phone, I get a text on my phone say that I can uh, oh, I see, yeah. roam at the, the same rate as I can in the UK and that kind of thing. I, I'm not sure there's arrangements in place with all the European no. countries, but a, a lot of them uh, there are mm. certainly. Um, but yeah. True. True, true, true. So, Nev, you've got the uh, next story, and it's good news for Boeing. Yes, someone's getting the checkbook out, which is always a good thing. <laughs> um, it's on the Reuters.com website. It says that IAG orders 50 Boeing jets in partial switch from Airbus. Uh, well, British Airways owner IAG announced plans on Thursday to order 50 Boeing 737 MAX aircraft, reviving part of a stalled bid to replace Europe's Airbus for some of its short-haul flights whilst handing support to struggling Boeing. Uh, the order includes 25 of the 737 MAX 10 variant, which Boeing is battling to get certified ahead of a, a year-end deadline. Uh, It also includes 25 737-8200 variants in a deal whose total value is expected to be $6.25 billion at official list prices before widespread industry discounts. Uh, that can exceed 50%. IG, which also owns Ireland's Aer Lingus and Spain's Iberia and Vueling, has a further 100 purchase options as part of the deal, which is subject to shareholder approval. Uh, the addition of um, Boeing 737s is an important part of IG's short-haul fleet renewal, says IAG Chief Executive Luis Galar- uh, 
Gallago in a statement. IAG said the aircraft to be delivered between 2023 and 2027 can be used by any airline in the group for fleet replacement. IAG continues to negotiate with Airbus for an order of roughly the same size, industry sources said on Thursday. So they're, I don't know whether they're playing one off against the other here, but obviously BA have got an all Airbus fleet for the uh, short and medium haul stuff. Um, and it will be interesting to see uh, what happens. Aer Lingus have also got an all Airbus fleet as well um, for their short and medium haul. And actually on their long haul, they've got A330s, of course. So no, I'm, yeah. I'm missing the, the, the BA livery on a, on a 7.3 now. I used to fly them a lot on the uh, 737-400s that were based at Gatwick. Oh. Um, for for many years as well, um, I did like that aircraft. I must say. Um, so yeah, it's going to be well. Who can negotiate the best deal? I would imagine, and it's all about fuel burn, of course, as well. So let, let's see uh, w- which of the uh, two manufacturers. Can I, want, I wonder whether looking forward into the future, Nev, whether whether you like you've just said, I wonder whether BA will kind of go back to a mixed short haul fleet with some Boeing. I don't know. I mean, imagine, I mean, the whole point of cross-crew qualification for type ratings, especially, you know, taking Airbus as an example, A319, A32021 have similar um, cross-crew qualification um, Mm -hmm. things. Um, You then start to bring Boeing aircraft into that fleet as well, uh, doing, which might do similar routes as well then you're into a lot of expensive training. Having said that, of course, the whole point of the 737 MAX is that uh, it was designed to have a similar type certification to the regular 737-800, um, which is what the, all the fuss has been about. So um, if you've already got Boeing aircraft, it's not a big leap to go to the MAX. Um, but if you're an all-Airbus fleet on your short and medium short haul stuff then that is quite a big leap um i would suggest but you know it's um it's a buyer's market at the moment i hope they can get all the semiconductors they need that's all i can say <laughs> if my industry is anything to go by at the moment um, yeah, so, andy uh, andy wilson saying mixed fleet isn't expensive mm, yeah because yeah, obviously you've got uh, spares servicing maintenance training you know um right across the board i'm surprised more airlines you know don't do the like the ryanair easyjet model where it's more or less the same you know i mean there is a fluctuation isn't there i suppose with both of them now because you've got the 737 um 800 and the 8200 as we were talking about earlier obviously you've got the a319 and the Mm. a320 with the um with easyjet but they are essentially you know they're more or less got sort of similarities i mean that's why they were chosen wasn't it and in, in, you didn't need a different type rating to fly the a319 if if i m- ah, remember correctly captain cruise makes a good point nev in the chat room Ooh. oh yes uh he does he says you can see the ba livery on the 737 800 today with Comair in south africa oh, which ooh. is very true yes um i flew on their 737 400s when i was uh in Johannesburg and Cape Town. And uh, yes, I, I had forgotten that. You're dead right, Captain Cruise. Yeah, absolutely. And if you if you go on X-Plane, <laughs> you can get the livery anyway. Because mm. I've, yes. uh, I've got the BA livery on, on a 73-800 mm. myself. 
Anyway, moving on to the next story. And this one is on theflyingmag.com. And, uh, well, Nev rushes off to grab himself a Pinot. Uh, when, when the headline is Catherine Wright, Trophy Honours Jill Myers Aeronautical Engineer and Pilot. So when Jill Myers took a ride in a family friend's Cessna 140 at the age of 12, her passion for aviation sparked to life. She earned her private pilot certificate in her senior year of high school and became an operational computer systems analyst in the U.S. Air Force. Fast forward a few decades and Myers has now been awarded the Catherine Wright Trophy from the National Aeronautic Association. Launched in 1981 and bestowed jointly with the 99s International Association of Women Pilots, the trophy honours an individual who has contributed to the success of others or made a personal contribution to the advancement of the art, sport and science of aviation and space fight over an extended period of time. Her work in the US Air Force took her across the Atlantic to support NATO operations in Germany, specifically the ground radar sites around the country. She deployed to Italy, and while there, she supported an international exercise coordinating the participation from 12 NATO countries. She also applied to the Airmen Education and Commission Programme, the special programme sending top candidates to college full-time when they remained on active duty after witnessing the first space shuttle launch back in 1981 and wanted to join the ranks of aerospace engineers. She graduated from the University of Texas in Austin and spent the next 30 years in her new chosen career. So along the way, According to NAA, Myers took on roles as lead systems engineer at Boeing on the NATO, US and UK Airborne Warning and Control System, or AWACS, Reconnaissance Aircraft Program. She served as a senior program manager for Connexion by Boeing's government and executive customers, managing mission critical airborne communication systems for aircraft, including Air Force One, and working for Northrop Grumman on the F-35 Joint Strike Fight Lightning II. Uh, Myers was one of two senior managers overseeing the production and delivery of the F-35's communication, navigation and identification systems. And she also led the Women in Aviation International chapter in San Diego for several years, during which time she was instrumental in the planning and execution of Girls in Aviation Day. And in the 2017, she left the F-35 program to work full-time with Shyster Ways, well, someone who we've had on the show, actually, I've heard uh, for of a her. non-profit organisation called Dreams Soar, which supported Ways going flying solo around the world. Uh, this award means a great deal to me, she said. It represents my goal of being a driver of good things, said Myers in response to the news. Having an impact on young people's lives makes all of my hard work worth it, she said. The most important thing to me is to inspire others to know that the sky is not the limit. My word, she has certainly done <laughs> some stuff. Yeah. Blimey. That is amazing. I was going to say, also, uh, duly noted, we almost slipped into the world of military there, so well done. Uh, <laughs> yes, just slightly, just slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. But what, what a blooming career. Mm. Jesus. You know, that's, that's amazing. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you never know, we might have a Women in Aviation special sometime very soon. Well, we yeah. are. yeah, we are working on it. We are working yeah. on it. It's uh, yeah, just trying to squeeze it all in. <laughs> so, Nev, you've got the next story, and... Uh, we're back in air show season again. 
Well, we are, um, but uh, only just. Um, on mm. ITV.com, it says that Tenmouth uh, Air Show was blown away with support after 2022 event almost cancelled. Um, and they've received a lot of support after it was announced that they needed £20,000 in order to run safely. So far, more than £17,000 has been raised through donations in just 24 hours. The air show does not have any council funding and funds are raised by sponsorship and fundraising events. But due to the pandemic, all but one of the fundraising events for the air show was cancelled. It costs around £80,000 to put on the event, which covers portable toilets, crowd safety barriers, security and first aid, amongst other things. They all need to be in place before a single plane is allowed to leave the ground. Amy Furlong, who's the events director, said, we've been absolutely blown away with the support. We've had more than £10,000 in GoFundMe donations, which is just absolutely incredible. We've also had two personal donations, which equate to £7,000, which is insane. Nevada Constructions, TMS Maritime Services, uh, Cofton Holiday Park and Devon Valley Holiday Park have also come forward as sponsors. Uh, she told ITV News West Country, we do this for the town. The fact that everyone has turned around and said, well done, guys, you're doing a great job is just so lovely. It, I think it needs to be said just how grateful we are as committee. As a committee, none of this would have been possible either without the public. Tenmouth Air Show is taking place on Saturday, the 2nd of July and is free to attend. I beg your so pardon. If you're, so if you're yes, I know that makes a change, doesn't it? Um, so if you're down in, in in the West Country, as uh, Alan White is, I know, and uh, some of our other listeners. So mm. if you're down in that part of the world, or you want to go down to that part of the world, second of July is when the Tenmouth uh, Air Show is on. Definitely one for the diary, I think. Yeah, uh, nice part of the world as well, isn't it? It's quite often warm down there, regardless. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. Indeed. So uh, I'm I'm very pleased to say that uh, joining us, people are wondering why why is the screen gone to a graphic on there at the moment? But that that's because we have a VIP joining us. Uh, our fourth member of the team, Armando, is uh, joining us very soon, and uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, say hello to Armando. Hello, I thought you were talking about Captain Jeff there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you were expecting a VIP, but you just get me. It's a poem. I wrote it myself. <laughs> how, how are you, sir? Yeah, great. Uh, it has been a long day. Today was a long day in the, in the Pilatus PC-12. It was uh, Charlotte to Dallas, Dallas to Atlanta, Atlanta back to Charlotte. So it was a... Uh, 7.8 i think we logged total flight time so wow oof, oof. that's a that's a long day that is that is yeah, well the good news is you've joined pretty much halfway through the show so you haven't got much left to do that's the <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's the win I timed it perfectly <laughs> yeah absolutely uh indeed uh, so how are things uh on the pc12 on the good weather day you know it was a beautiful day and it is just summertime here in the southeast united states which means there's just thunderstorms uh usually brewing up in the afternoons so jacksonville and central florida was all gummed up today which creates just big backup through the entire national airspace system at least on the east coast and and then it's just bumpy even on a clear day it's just bumpy it's not comfortable for us it's not comfortable for the passengers if you are a passenger listening to this show uh, any of us pilots will tell you it's not comfortable for us either, and we don't want to be in the bumps. 
and we we try to do everything in our power to to get out of them. Uh, Dirk says, by the way, we started with the military this week. By the way, Armando. <laughs> oh, great! That's a load off my shoulders. And that means I can just sit back and judge you guys. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, bad news. He, yeah, that was a joke. Anyway, right. <laughs> so, Matt, you yes. have got the next story, and it's uh, it's all about the babies. Uh, yes, that is that is the rumor. Yes, absolutely. This is uh, from the CNN dot com website, and the headline is: Flight attendant delivers a passenger's baby on board Frontier Airlines flight. A woman gave birth to a healthy baby in a lavatory on board a Frontier Airlines flight, according to a Facebook post uh, from the airline. The passenger went into early labour during the flight from Denver to Orlando, said the post, which was shared on seventeenth of May. Uh, flight attendant Diana Galdoro uh, then helped her get to the lavatory and assisted in delivering the baby. In a statement, Captain Chris Nye, who was piloting the aircraft, said the plane diverted to Florida's uh, to one of Florida's airports, then continued to Orlando after the mother and baby were able to deplane with the assistance of medical personnel. The whole crew really did a great job, said uh, Nye said in a comment uh, that was shared on the Frontiers Facebook post. Uh, Dispatch did a great job as well by suggesting uh, a local airport and getting a gate and paramedics ready for us. This was a job well done and I was happy to see everybody working together to successfully deliver a newborn baby on the aircraft. Uh, Though the baby's name and gender have not been shared publicly, Frontier (laughs) did reveal that the newborn's middle name is Sky due to the unusual conditions of its arrival into the world. And this one isn't uh, the only kid born in the air in recent years. In May 2021, a woman went into labour on board a flight from Salt Lake City to City to Honolulu. Uh, in that case, though, no flight attendant was needed to help with the delivery. By lucky coincidence, there was a doctor and three NICU nurses on board, all of whom jumped into action. In fact, being born on a plane can sometimes have fun perks attached. A baby named Haven who was born uh, in uh, on a on a Cebu Pacific? Is it Cebu? See, yeah. yeah, Cebu Pacific flight from Dubai to Manila in 2016 was given one million miles by the <laughs> Filipino airline, despite being too little to use them yet. The airline said that the miles would be shared with her family members in the meantime. Lots of comments in the chat room oh, for this one. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard Adams uh, comes up with a good one there. The whole new meaning to the mile high club oh Um, my (laughs) alan white is uh, saying the baby is now on track to set a guinness world record for being the youngest (laughs) to circumnavigate the globe yes uh, that that is unfortunately probably quite true yes (laughs) i mean of all the places to go and deliver a baby i have to say the last place i'd want to be born was in an aircraft toilet now the only thing I would say very much in that favour is, um, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but um, giving birth is not a um, not a clean process, shall <laughs> what, we? What you say. mean you could flush flush the bits down the toilet? I, I mean I wouldn't go that far, but I, I, I'm, I'm suggesting it might be a little easier to clean up. Shall we say, if you are in, oh, in a dear. in an area that's designed to be wiped clean. <laughs> 
I, I, I just uh, I just want to know what what kind of airplane they were flying that fits both a mom and a newborn baby. That must be a first class lab or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good so, point. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, Stewie, gonna... Stewie Thomas says one place they always seem to have plenty of blankets. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, absolutely. are we going to suggest a name for this baby then? You know, it's born you know, where it was born. Um, um, baby babe face, something like that. Oh, well, yeah. that's. <laughs> I mean, its middle name right. is going to be Sky, according to the Right, story. okay. Um, it's got to be Maverick something or other, hasn't it, given what's going on the, this week? No? Oh, I was thinking with the Frontier Airlines, you know, there could be some really cool names with the, you know, Frontier-associated Calamity Jane or something like that. <laughs> Calamity Jane Sky, what could go wrong with her? <laughs> I, w- I was thinking some kind of Star Trek reference there when we're talking like, you know, New Frontiers oh, and all that kind go. of thing. Oh dear! See, there you go. Yeah. I mean, as long as they live the leave the uh, the lav part out of the story. <laughs> yeah, how's that? How's yeah. that for baby pictures? Yeah, Cebu Sky. Andy Wilson is offering as a possible. Mazuz Kareem. Ah, Mazuz, very good. Ryan. What? Oh, yeah. Ryan, as in Ryanair, born in the air. Ryanair. Oh, I see. Sorry, I was gonna say, yeah, yes. but the middle name was going to be Ryan Sky. That's not going to work, is oh, it? Oh, Dirk Kess. honestly. <laughs> Lavi Sky. <laughs> oh, hello, it's all going... Oh, sorry, the, the, the graphics crashed there. Lavi Sky, oh, dear. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, they could just go with a boring name like, you know, I don't know, Matt. They could name it. They could name it after their favourite podcast, couldn't they? <laughs> Isn't it good on this show that we're not afraid to delve into areas that we are absolutely not qualified to talk about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. We just seem to plough on through, regardless. Don't we? I mean, I've never delivered a baby before, so. No. Wait a minute! Isn't that, isn't that the whole premise of the show? That's yeah, why pretty I'm much, on it. yeah, yeah. That, that, that is pretty <laughs> yeah. much it. Yes. Although, in my defence, uh, I did spend my, a lot of my youth answering a midwife's telephone. To be fair, because uh, oh, Mama, Mama Smith. Yeah, well, because yes. Mama, Mama Smith was a midwife for I don't know how probably more year more years than she cares to remember, oh. frankly. And she was a community uh, madwife, as I used to call her, frankly. Um, and uh, we used to have we we literally had a red telephone. Uh, this was this was before we had answer phones and all that kind of thing as well well and um, go on matt that that officially makes you as qualified to deliver a baby in the air as carlos is qualified to fly the airplane when they call for a pilot to come yeah. up to the good point deck. good point well made yeah absolutely i, I did have one a pregnancy training uk podcast <laughs> thanks Doug. um there was um, um, Stephen Stephen ivy he's he is going for the gold class points here and he says what about jeff Great aviator name. Good point. Good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to name it after anyone, you need to name it after the godfather of, of podcasting, aviation podcasting, I suppose. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, the thing Jeff. is, is because I was quite young when I used to answer this phone. And so the, the, like these, these ladies would ring the number. Um, I can, t- I can still to this day tell you what the number was. It was Homsfield 217. That gives you an idea of how long ago it was. Uh, <laughs> And I would answer this red telephone, and, so, and they would just assume that they'd already got the midwife. So, I mean, some of the stories I used to be told on the phone, where you know, sit there and listen to it for about four minutes as they go off into full launch, and right, that's lovely. I'll just go and get my mum for you. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Yes, well, all that excitement, we, we've triggered some extra uh, input to the chat room, which I'm, I'm just uh, dealing with at the moment. Oh, are you? Oh, have you? Oh no! Yes. Oh no! We had we we had a bit of that excitement last week, I think, if I re- I recall. I I, I blame Andy. Uh, 
<laughs> anyway, Nev, um, you have got the last story this week, and I think due to the 460,000 flights you've done in the last seven days, this story is right up your alley. Well, it is, yes. Um, unfortunately, um, because I was just spending too much time trying to uh, hit the person in the chat room, which is causing some trouble, I've lost the page. So oh. I'm just going to reload my page, as they say. Okay. And let's see if I can get it back. But uh, it's from uh, Michelle at Turning Left for Less, who's been doing a fantastic job, I have to mm. say, uh, by keeping us all up to date, um, certainly during the pandemic, trying to work out what the different rules are for different um, airlines and, and what have you. And it's just been uh, full of great information. I know she and the team work really hard on, on that site. So, uh, yeah, really really impressed so thanks michelle for uh, telling us all about what's going on there uh, but uh, in this instance she talks about some new deals that are going on so for those that earn a high number of tier points uh, each year uh, with uh, ba a very useful award is earned at 2500 and 3500 tier points these consist of an upgrade voucher for two people and two upgrade vouchers for one person respectively the vouchers can be used to upgrade a cash or avios fare and don't need avios availability to use them up until now they could only be used for british airways flights which given the reduced route network at the moment was a bit limiting it also meant if you were going to hawaii for example you could only use it for the ba flights not for the rest of the flights all that is changing as now as the executive club members with a gold upgrade for two or a gold upgrade for one voucher will be able to use these to upgrade on American Airlines. AA Advantage members will also be able to use their system side upgrades on BA-operated flights. This opens up greater opportunities for members to be able to redeem their vouchers. Members will be able to upgrade from premium economy to business, business to first and economy to business, only where no premium economy cabin exists. Eligible booking classes apply as they do at the moment. So, for example, you need uh, a, a class to be available for first-class upgrades. So that's good news, Ooh. isn't it? But, um, yeah, can't emphasise enough how uh, how informative her mm. site is. And we must have her back on the show again um, for a chat. We because, must. Uh, we've, had, we've got a lot of, lots of catching up to do. We have, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll leave you to reach out, I think. Oh, that's probably the, but, yeah, that. absolutely. I'll I think it would be good to have her on again, yeah. Yep. Indeed. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, now things are starting to pick up as well. I'd be interested to hear sort of her her thoughts on obviously some of the problems that, that well, the industry she, seems to be. Yeah, she's been. Of, the, if you look at her Twitter mm, feed um, uh, and her website, she's been doing a lot of flying recently and coming up against all sorts of challenges, challenges around yeah. the world. But uh, again, she's giving great uh, hints and tips about how mm. to uh, get the best out of your travel. So um, no, just, just really, a quick really question on that, Nev, because mm. you'll know about this it, with with obviously with things are as they are at the moment with you know there's people flying is not as much as what it was a few years back and there's all these different schemes avios points and all different kind of miles points and stuff schemes that are about but are they still a good thing to do you know if you are a relatively frequent flyer is it still a good idea to sign up to one of these point schemes Definitely, yeah. I mean, there there is still value in them. And you might say that they're not as valuable as they were. Uh, seems to be moving the goalposts all, all the time, unfortunately. Um, but certainly, if you're looking to do um, up, upgrade your 
class of flight with Avios, for example, or you want to save that for when you're going on holiday with your husband or wife, um, things like that. So and they, they do vouchers and that kind of stuff. So I tend to stick with the Avios system that British Airways, Finnair and American Airlines, amongst others, use. And then there's the other uh, major one, which is Star Alliance. So that's SAS, Lufthansa and uh, many other European airlines as well. Um, but yeah, I think there's still some value in it. But certainly if I go back to the late 90s, uh, when I was flying just as much as I am now, um, you, you got more bang for the buck, shall we say, um, then than you do now. You have to do, it seems to do, have to do a lot more flying now to get, you know, the various status and, and the number of Avios points. But of course, you can earn Avios points with credit cards, um, fuel for example at uh, garages which of course because it's so expensive you're earning more of your spots <laughs> at the moment that is, so there, that is a good point is well made yeah. so yeah <laughs> oh dear sorry I've just I've just seen the comment that Richard after after the little uh, chat room invasion there I've just seen the comment that Richard Adams put in afterwards which said bit late, <laughs> bit late the girls are giving birth in the lab already too late mate <laughs> yeah that ship has sailed yeah, that ship has way exactly. too late yeah <laughs> so that is where we bring the commercial news segment Ooh. to a close and uh, we have got uh, the next part of the show which uh, as always as we try and keep up uh, every wednesday with our caption this just for fun so nev you had a chance to see uh, to see the uh, the picture for this week so uh, for our audio listeners what uh, what is this picture describing this week yes it, it's uh, extraordinary really uh, <laughs> it it's, it's a it's a woman playing a t- two manual uh, organ at the back of the plane um, and there's a couple of uh, d- slightly disgruntled passengers looking around at her <laughs> they don't look very pleased about the uh, whole in-flight entertainment do they no, the, the IFE <laughs> it's not quite it, what it should be I don't think but uh, but uh, no we've certainly had a, a plethora of mm, uh, that, that's a word yeah that is definitely a word this week so um, yeah. yeah off we go you kick us off Ned <laughs> Well, somebody called Plain Talking UK Podcast, I've no idea who that was, uh, says, is that Alison Hammond? You've got to know about that. You've got to know about that, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oh, I see. Sorry, yeah, right. No, I got it. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Richard King says the beginning of instrument flying. Stuart Thomas says it wasn't quite what the other passengers were expecting when the lovely uh, young lady said she just wanted to get out her electronic device. <laughs> wow. Um, slightly um, risque, but we're going to do it anyway. Another oh. one from Richard King. When Derek wanted to join the Mile High Club with Mildred, this was not the organ he wanted to <laughs> Oh! <laughs> How did that one get through the filter? I, I, I can tell we haven't had John on the show this week. No, Goodness indeed. me, no, indeed. indeed. Um, David uh, Kavanagh says, uh, the old days when your carry-on baggage was greater than seven <laughs> kilograms. Uh, David Kavanagh is also offering early in-flight entertainment with silent movies. <laughs> Excellent. And my uh, industry colleague, Bob Cronman, says, it's OK, she's with the band. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Luke says uh, Eric Morecambe waits for the music to stop 
as an Acme stewardess plays all the right notes, but, but not, not necessarily, necessarily in, the- in the right order <laughs> in the game of Whitchell Airline Chairs. Very good. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Warner says, in the golden years of flying, the privileged few didn't get screaming kids kicking the back of their chairs. Instead, they got Doreen playing the organ. Doreen. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Thomas says, uh, the passengers on this uh, on the nervous flying course uh, didn't quite appreciate her rendition of Westlife's number one hit, Flying, Flying Without Wings. <laughs> <laughs> See what they did there? <clears throat> As Stephen Tyre says, uh, tonight's entertainment will be followed by the in-flight movie Top Gun Live. Oh. <laughs> Please ensure your seats are in the upright position, your tray table is stowed, and your seatbelt is well and truly fastened. Mm, Stuart Thomas is saying, BA introduced new live boarding music. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick Anderson says uh, the passengers were amazed every time she rose up out of the floor. <laughs> yes, I bet that would have been quite the shock, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Simon Brackett says, "What the hell is she trying to play?" <laughs> yes, I see, yes, uh, yes, I see what they're saying there because she's very low down on the keyboard, isn't she? Uh, there's going to be quite a. Yeah, it's going to be quite a low tune. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Stephen Patterson finally says, "I thought I was on a plane. It seems this seems like a mission hall." <laughs> very apt. Very apt. Very good. Indeed. What, but, have we got uh, anything from the chat room? Any offerings? Oh blimey! They've been whizzing around in there. Uh, blimey! Let's have a look and see what we've got. So in the <laughs> chat room, uh, Andy Wilson oh. uh, kicks us off with uh, Vera Lynn. Uh, unveils the passenger or re- uh, uh, unnerves the passengers, I should say, with her rendition of "We'll Meet Again." Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yes. Very good. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, uh, Alan White is saying this is your captain speaking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if that lady plays come fly with me again, I'll give you permission to come become disruptive passengers. <laughs> Uh, Captain Ridiculous Wit says, am I allowed to play my music on the flight? Uh, absolutely not. No, definitely not. Captain <laughs> Cruz is uh, got a great one here. Captain Cruz says, it's an emotional support organ. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's wow. one way of putting it, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, honestly, there's some great... Uh, and Richard Adams in-flight entertainment in the days of silent movies very do good, love though. a silent movie it's been a long time since I've seen a silent movie the, the, the thing yeah. is this you know as much as this picture is, is amusing this did happen did it though seriously it, it did happen yes what like well it's, it's just coming out of the floor of aeroplanes well, not technically out of <laughs> the floor but they did have this kind of in-flight entertainment on aircraft back mm. in the early days of flight so yeah yeah. Oh well, there we go. All part of the fun. And that uh, is the caption competition to, to, to for finish, another week. Finish off. <laughs> All right, you got one to more. Finish off. Stewie Thomas says, just to finish. Stewie Thomas says the passengers celebrated another birth on board. Oh, I see. <laughs> another yeah. board on board yeah, birth. Birth of an organ yeah. if it's coming out of the floor, right? So <laughs> don't forget uh, if you want to be part of the crazy stuff that is the caption is just for fun. Check out our Facebook page while you're there. Give us a like. And uh, every Wednesday, hopefully Wednesday, if I'm not stuck in London, <laughs> um, you will get a picture on our Facebook page to leave your wittiest, funniest captions on. Indeed, indeed. Okay. So there we go. Yeah, it's. Uh, have we got? Have we actually got some military to do? We've got three stories. We've got, oh, well, there we are then. Okay, all right, then. What we'll do then is we'll, we'll go straight into the military, uh, but we'll be, we'll be doing that just after these short messages. Well, uh, well. 
Welcome to our London studios. Uh, welcome to the A320 Lounge uh, webinar uh, tech presentation, um, obviously for the 320 series. Welcome to the A320 and 737 Lounge, bringing technical refresher courses directly to you. Using our cutting-edge broadcasting facilities, enjoy a fully interactive technical refresher course from the comfort of your own home. All of our webinars are live and you can ask your instructor a question at any point during the day. All of our instructors are highly experienced and can help you. No more expensive nights away from home, no new software required, just an internet connection. Courses are run at regular intervals, so check out A320Lounge and 737lounge.com for more details. Discover the pioneers of speed and adventure at one of the UK's most iconic museums. Whether it's a tour of the legendary Concorde, a walk around the Brooklyn's aircraft factory, or maybe a behind-the-scenes look at the McLaren automotive cars, the Brooklyn's Museum has it all. Based at Weybridge in Surrey, it's the perfect day out for all the family. We can also host your private function or meeting in one of our amazing event suites. With so much to see and do, come and take a look at Great Britain's history of speed and flight. Find out more by going to www.brooklandsmuseum.com or give us a call on 01932 857 381. That's 01932 857 381. And we're back. Hello, everyone. And uh, we have got some military news this week. And uh, I know he can't he can't read the stories because he is technically driving, so he can't really read stories for us. But Armando, would you like to introduce the military segment for this week? Well, I I can't believe that Andy Win Andy Wilson has given me grief about this about military stories. Oh no, not the great. I even put up a picture of me flying an Airbus today. I thought I'd get you know a couple extra. <laughs> extra points for that but i guess not so matt or andy this one's for you matt hit the button And this first military news story this week, and it's quite funny because when you go on this website, the box comes up and says, want more military news? <laughs> so I kind of click the X button. Anyway, uh, comes to us from, <laughs> this comes to us from the military.com website and the headline, Air Force Tests hypersonic missile oh. amid fears about Russia and China's advances. So uh, the Air Force announced on Monday this week it has successfully tested a hypersonic missile off the Californian coast, marking the latest development in the U.S. race to catch up to Russia and China in fielding its own weapon on the battlefield. The B-52 Stratofortress bomber out of Edwards Air Force Base released an air-launched Rapid Response Weapon, otherwise known as the ARRW, on Saturday, and the missile reached a sh sound-shattering speed. Following separation from the aircraft, the ARRW's booster ignited and burned for an expected duration, achieving hypersonic speeds up to five times greater than the speed of sound, an Air Force spokesperson and Stefnik said in a press release. 
Hypersonic missiles' uh, speeds make them harder to track and trace and destroy before hitting a target, inspiring worry for years among U.S. officials and defense industry experts as some assess the adversaries like China and Russia have outpaced outpaced them uh, and America in developing the weapons. So it uh, could be worrying times. Um, obviously, we, we need to keep up with the Joneses, as they say. But um, how about we, we, we do we need to develop these as well? You know, we're in the UK here. We're slightly closer to Russia than, uh, than the US. Well, I, I mean, as you guys know, uh, anytime there's a conflict, that usually, I guess, reinvigorates innovation. And maybe some of those, if you look back in history, this is where I'd love to have Micah on the show. But when when you look back at history, some of the fastest uh, evolutions of weapon systems and aircraft specifically have happened during times of conflict and in response to conflict. So I think it's pretty, re- you know, credible now that Russia did launch a hypersonic missile uh, in the Ukraine conflict. Obviously, China has been in the news is also developing one, but this is, you, you know, these the hypersonic weapons and anything that goes between Mach 5 and Mach 25, um, as in the new Top Gun movie, uh, is considered a hypersonic weapon. And they've actually been in development for a while. I think Boeing had one going all the way back to 2005. Um, but as, you know, as history has proven, like I just said, the the current conflict is, is sort of speeding up that development. And, and like you said, Carlos, the, the U.S. and its Western allies are probably not going to be left behind, uh, you know. And, and of course, these these weapons are incredibly hard to stop, which is their biggest advantage. Is when when something's traveling that fast it, and uh, and at low altitudes, relatively, it's it's incredibly difficult to stop. And uh, yeah, we'll see how this hypersonic missile race goes, which which may lead to hypersonic aircraft. Because some of them look, you know, pretty closely, you know, resemble an aircraft. Wow. Wow. It's kind of worrying when you think, you know, that um, with these sorts of weapons, you don't, you know, you've not got that, you know, three, four, five, six, seven minute worth of wait time before it gets here. You know, these are here a lot quicker or there or wherever they're they're heading to. They're going to get there a lot quicker than a standard um standard weapon yeah and it's especially concerning over in europe with the geography of the continent and how close everything is and how close everything can be reached so that's why i I believe you know very quickly these these weapons will be developed operationalized and deployed uh, highly likely in the european theater very soon so Nev, you have got uh, the next story on uh, theaviationist.com, all about the C-146A Wolfhound. What a name that, Wolfhound. Yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? It's, uh, it says that a C-146A has landed on a Latvian two-lane A9 highway uh, in the night between May the 10th and May the 11th of this year. Uh, a US special operations aircraft 
carried out highway operations in western Latvia, uh, marking the first ever landing of a US military aircraft on a Latvian highway. As part of the annual Trojan Footprint 22 multinational exercise, a US Special Operations Command C-146A Wolfhound serial number 12-3085 landed on the narrow two-lane A9 highway near uh, Bixty uh, in western Latvia. According to the Latvian Public Broadcasting Service, the, the location to be used uh, as an improvised airstrip spanning 900 metres required around 2,000 kilometres of road to be checked. Since the wingspan of the C-146 Wolfhound is 21 metres, whereas the width of the road is 8.5 metres, to facilitate the landing, several road signs were removed so that the wings would not hit them whilst the bus stop was used to turn the aircraft around. Uh, the C-146A Wolfhound is the military version of the Dornier 328 turboprop commuter airliner, modified to p- permit cargo and personnel transport missions and continuously deployed since 2011. The ag- aircraft can carry a maximum of 27 passengers, 6,000 pounds of cargo or up to four litter patients. Uh, its main mission is rapid responsive air mobility and its users are primary primarily special operations forces although the asset can move uh, other members around from the department of defense other government agencies as well as host nationals Uh, the c-146a wolfhound's primary mission is to provide u.s special operations command flexible and response uh, operational movement of teams and cargo in support of theater special operations command airlift missions are conducted by air force special operations command aircrew to prepare and semi-prepared airfields around the world says the u.s air force website the modifications from a baseline dornier 328 include uh, arc 231 prc 117 and iridium communication suite uh, troop cargo capable cabin casualty evacuation capability and NVG compatibility. Overall, four landings and four takeoffs were carried out by the US military uh, that was involved in the simulated extraction of a wounded military from a combat zone using the improvised runway. During the Cold War, highway strips were used to get rid of the runway discrepancy, sorry, runway dependency in case of nuclear war. Nowadays, they're used to operate everywhere from unpredictable locations and project combat uh, air power closer to the action quickly. And this is the reason why this kind of training has resumed. So there we go. Interesting use. Yeah. Of the, uh, I, I'm so why. proud of you. <laughs> he, he read that so well. I, that I read a military story, which had got some appalling grammar in it, by the way. And had I had better notice, I would have rewritten that entire article. Actually, I, I was going to say, could you, could you imagine, Nev, if they tried this on some of our main roads here in the uk they'd probably need to re you know redo well, or replace on the a14 for example yeah, yeah. Oh, like i think it'd be wide enough would it well no the, the speed cameras would be going off for every five point, seconds wouldn't they as well so. i mean i couldn't i couldn't even drive my mazda 3 on the a14 no exactly. yeah. <laughs> you know i mean yesterday i was on the a12 doing this for about 30 miles while i was in the you know because the roads are so bad yeah, really here. good quality yeah. around here aren't they yeah i know yeah. terrible Indeed. Never mind. Listen, uh, this all kidding aside, this is a pretty unique mission for these aircraft. They're not they're not tremendously heavily modified. So everything that that 
Nev read out is mostly communications equipment, which would, you would you would expect modifications of that type of a military aircraft just so they can operate worldwide. But overall, these aircraft, and I've been up close and personal with them, they they they're pretty much a commercial Dornier 328. The only thing they have a little bit different is they have a uh, an extra lining, kind of a rhino lining here in the U.S. under the belly. So when they land on those unimproved strips, it doesn't, uh, you know, the rocks don't strike the bottom of the aircraft and potentially hurt the skin of the aircraft. But but there's no, you know, we've, we've done plenty of stories of, of Russian aircraft and uh, I believe Polish aircraft landing on highways and then American A-10s. You know, those aircraft are, are, are pretty heavily modified for military missions. This this I'm going to attribute more to the airmanship of, of those crews because they're the only modification that they really have is those night vision goggles. And you think, those, you think as well, wouldn't you, Armando? Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, things like the landing gear, you know, that doesn't seem to be modified at all, does it? Um, it seems no. to be the, 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 from the standard right out of the shop. It, exactly. It, it really is. And, and the avionics system is just a... Uh, similar to a, a Proline, uh, Honeywell Proline system. So there's there's not very unique uh, navigational aids to get somebody to a, to a point, you know, on a highway. They're really just kind of eyeballing this. Um, and, and it's just, a, you know, again, the, the training that these individuals go through and their ability to, to employ these aircraft in such unique capabilities, and especially on a foreign on a foreign uh, country and a foreign road is, is really, it takes a lot of coordination, just nothing short of impressive. Cause I mean, it'd be the equivalent of somebody asking me to go take the, the Pilatus or, or a dash eight or something into, Hey, go land on this highway at night and pretend to pick up individuals that are, that are injured or something. So very well done for air force special operations command and, and, and the Latvian military who, who surely sponsored this as a just not not only a show of force but you know a, a joint training opportunity so matt you've got uh, the last story in the military news this week and it's good news for any of our u.s uh, listeners who live in the dayton ohio area yeah just just briefly before we, we move on to that one mark uh, is saying in the whatsapp number there he's saying um uh, they've had um, armor-plated underside to the land on you. Uh, armor-plated on the underside to land on UK roads. Um, they were saying <laughs> apparently. So. Oh, what a cheap shot! <laughs> you need more than that, blimey. Indeed. Wow. Anyway, slightly off topic. Uh, Warbirds news is where we go for the final story, and the headline is D-Day Squadron documentary premiere at National Museum of the U.S. Air Force. Uh, the U.S. Air Force Museum Foundation Living History Series invites you to the film premiere of Intro Flight Once More on Saturday, the fourth of June, twenty twenty-two, at the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force. You will be uh, one of the first to visit the World War Two traveling uh, memorial at the museum and join a VIP. Uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, everything jumped. Then I do apologise. Join a VIP reception with our filmmakers, World War Two veterans, and D-Day Squadron aircraft owners and uh, crew members who will give a presentation after the film. The film, narrated by Gary Sinise, uh, brings history of. June the 6th, 1944, to the present.
present uh, the, through the lens of one squadron and their epic recreation or recreation journey across the North Atlantic to Normandy for the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Along the trip, you meet some of the last remaining D-Day veterans and younger generations of men and women who have recharted their path to honour their sacrifice and thank them for their service. At each stop on the journey from the United States to France, the veterans reconnect with the planes that flew, provisioned, uh, rescued, supported and meant so much to them during wartime. These honourable World War II men and women veterans reveal never before heard information as seeing these planes sparks memories held deep inside Uh, the journey will take you across the united states and uh, on to canada greenland iceland scotland england and finally to france you will learn the history and significance of these locations during wartime and the challenges that the crews faced in their mission to complete the journeys directed by uh, adrian hall and presented in partnership with d-day squadron and the dc3 society Uh, now if you want more information about this uh on how to watch this film it's into flight or once more into flight once more this is all as words into flight once more Dot com and all the details about uh, when you can go and see this film at that particular museum will be there. I want to know when it's going to be available here because this sounds like something I would very much enjoy. I'll tell you what, Matt, I'm looking at the website now for the National Museum of the United States Air Force and it, you know, I thought Duxford at uh, Cambridge was was big, but this place is, is huge. Is it? it is huge. Uh, Mondo, have you been here? have a couple times it is one of the best aviation museums in the world it absolutely it's uh anybody that's finds themselves unfortunate enough to find themselves in ohio um (laughs) make your day make your day a brighter day and stop by the uh Mm. national museum of the u.s air force in dayton at wright patterson air force base because this is i think we've talked about this before there's an entire hangar full of aircraft dedicated to just air force ones uh, including the the Boeing 707 that carried John F. Kennedy back from Dallas, Texas to Washington, D.C. In, with, with the cutout of the bulkhead where they had to uh, cut it out to get the casket in there where, you know, uh, there, there's just so, so many developmental aircraft, test aircraft. So good. Um, World War II aircraft. It's, it's one of the best museums out there. They've, they've even got one of the XB-70s there, the Valkyrie. Oh, wow. Yeah, it sits, out, it sits outside, yeah. I believe. <laughs> um, but, uh, but even you know, more close to the story, I, when, we, when we covered this story in the D-Day squadron and the uh, DAX over Duxford, you know, that, that whole effort to get all those aircraft over to Europe, I knew there were photographers and videographers, and it was such a massive undertaking that I, I imagined at some point there would be a documentary released about the trip over there and the reason why they went over there. So I'm very much looking forward to this, you know, promulgating throughout the aviation industry. And I, I'll bet you, you guys will have some kind of screening over there in Duxford. Um, and you'll have to let me know how it goes. Yeah. I, I would, as I say, this is absolutely something that I quite, I say, I would love, I would love, love, love to see this. I have to be honest. It's, uh, it, it well, ticks all the boxes for me. It really does. I was going to say when, this this uh, this is going to be on this is on my list now of places I want to go. Is this is this far from you, Armando? When we come out next year? 
uh, compared to the UK, everything's far here. So, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll just say it's not close. Uh, okay, fair enough. Indeed, I'm trying. I'm just trying to get the. Um, just, just bear with me a moment. Chat amongst yourselves for a second. I'm just trying to get the um, the. Uh, I'm just trying to see if I can get it to load because I'd really love. I've just been watching the trailer and it is absolutely. Uh, off the chart, and I'm wondering if I can get it. Uh, I'm not. I've not done it this way before. Uh, last one left. I'm going over to France. You know. Going to fly across Here the channel go. again. In a Fifteen different crews of pilots and mechanics, boomers and millennials. They were going to attempt to fly across the Atlantic in a fleet of antique Douglas DC-3s, many of which were D-Day veterans themselves. We have many people, very different backgrounds, and everyone's coming together to accomplish a common mission. We're 20 short weeks away from launch time, and when I walked in the hangar the other day, I thought, these guys got a long way to go. It's our first ocean crossing, so, you know, put a lot of faith in our engine builder. Engine's not happy, we'll turn right around and come back. Fifteen individual groups of people took it upon themselves to raise the money, and get their airplanes in shape, scratch out two months of their lives to honor our forefathers that uh, fought for our freedom. We'll be making one left turn to final. Copy that. For those who were killed, captured, injured, we made history. Wow. Wow is all I'm saying to that. That was quite impressive, I will say. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, let's let's hope we get. Let's just say let's let's hope we get a viewing here in the UK really soon. I really hope that 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 would be just like off that. the chart. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. And don't forget, Armando has flown a, a uh, aircraft oh, very similar to that, haven't you, Armando? Yeah, it. Uh, my my Basler was a converted C forty seven from nineteen forty six, I believe it was constructed, and wow. uh, it was it was classic enough for for me to just you know a dream come true. Mm. But but I I gotta admit it it's still up there on my bucket list to be able to fly a radial engine DC three and, and not a Basler BT sixty seven. Somebody somebody in the chat room was asking if I have the opportunity to. Uh, potentially fly one of those but i do remain uh, qualified in the aircraft and probably the youngest pilot on the the, the basler aircraft scrolls <laughs> in the history books um so if i get a contract you can you can bet that i will uh film it and, and let everybody know absolutely yeah it's just well as i say genuinely literally cannot wait for this to arrive in the uk as i say this is i I love my history and to combine it with aviation would just be a a win-win for me so yeah absolutely let's hope it arrives here soon i I don't know i mean it's it looks like it's been nicely put together nev i mean there may even be a chance you might enjoy it (laughs) no i think definitely um anything like this uh is fascinating i've nearly had the chance to go over to stockholm's Brommer airport a few years ago to see the douglas dc3 oh, wow. that used to fly for uh, sas scandinavian airlines 
um, and that is kept in airworthy condition. Well, it wasn't up until 2020. I'm not sure whether it still is now, but mm. um, uh, they used to have uh, members of the public flying on it as well. Um, in fact, one of the guys who was the PR for uh, that organisation um, was in contact with me a little while ago. So um, it's been kept uh, in uh, flying condition by the Swedish organisation called Flying Veterans. So again, imagine the amount of maintenance and not just maintenance, but parts availability and um, what I would call on the job knowledge. Um, uh, and of course, you know, you've got to be of a certain age um, to know what you're doing with this stuff because the younger folks won't, will not have had the experience of this kind of thing. Well, and also, so. I, I guess it's one of those, isn't it? They, they must be reaching a point now where they're having to literally make the replacement parts. Do you know what I mean? Like from mm. scratch. Yeah. You know, it's um, this, this is not something you can knock up on a 3D printer, is it? I mean, this is. Uh, we- yeah, and and if you guys remember back to when we were when we did the Basler story, um, the DC three that when it was sorry the C forty seven that that participated in this, um, one of them was was that's all brother, and that aircraft was due to be scrapped and rebuilt by Basler and, and converted into a BT sixty seven, until they did a little bit of history on it, uh, just research as as one would do, and it turned out that that's all brother was the lead C-47 in the Normandy invasion on D-Day. And, wow. they, you know, they, they were about to scrap it and they ended up not doing so and, and, and ended up restoring the aircraft so it could eventually fly in, in this uh, uh, D-Day squadron. And, and now, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, now it's a popular tourist. But, but Nev, you couldn't be any more right. The, the, the skills that go along with maintaining these aircraft, as you guys know from Sally B, you know, there's not a lot of people out there that can work on it. Finding parts is, is harder and harder. Indeed, indeed. Now, uh, when when we're doing the show, uh, I receive pictures from various people, usually Jonathan Warner, if I'm brutally honest, who's uh, usually sharing military-based uh, pictures as per the stories that Armando has put in. Uh, he gets no prior warning to this, and I just pop them up. So thank you, my personal thanks to Jonathan Warner, doing his best to make uh, uh, the, the you know lots of pretty pictures as we're talking about the military. And then every now and again, I'll get a random picture from one of our hosts. And I have... I have exactly that in front of me right now. Now, Carlos, you need to explain what this picture is all about, please, as I as I pop it up. I mean, it, I, I like the premise, if nothing else. <laughs> Carlos? Let me just unmute myself. That thank thank you. Yes, that, that'll help so no this, end. This, yeah. is, um, <laughs> this is something that appeared, actually, this has happened at the weekend. And for those of you who may use uh, certain apps, such as Flight Radar 24, other apps are available, uh, will know that you can click on a certain option that'll let you follow the flight path of the aircraft that you're tracking. And uh, this one was Make Beer, Not War. Yeah. It was a simple message that was written by a Polish pilot flying out of Poznan uh, last weekend. The pilot of the Technam P2008JC spent nearly four hours in the air and two hours <laughs> and 20 minutes creating the Make Beer, Not War 
words. So as ADSB transponders have become a standard in much of the world, flight paths visible in real time, pilots have taken to the skies to draw or write all manner of things, the most popular being hearts and Christmas trees, as we've seen on the show before. Um, but uh, written messages are common as well in smaller aircraft such as this one, uh, which was a um, Technam, as we said, P2008, uh, with the message written, as I said, make beer, not war. And uh, apparently the, uh, the, there's a brewery apparently in, in, um, who are trying to find uh, the pilot of this plane to try and give him some free beer. <laughs> apparently, according to the story, there's uh, yeah. the brewery are trying to find this guy to... Uh, yeah, to I bet. Uh, Andy's put forward a, a good argument saying, um, I'd rather drink it than make it. Good point, yeah. <laughs> drink beer, yeah. Well, that, that sounds like a PTUK challenge for our it, for our pilots and air crews out there. Be like, well, drink beer, not war. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely the the way forward. Uh, interestingly enough, going back to the previous story, by the way, Armando, and um, we we've got. Uh, I think it was uh, Jonathan Warner saying there's a DC three being rebuilt at Coventry called Night Fright. Uh, it launched uh, from RAF uh, Membry um, on D Day. So um, yeah, interesting. That's correct, and they they have a website if you just look it up you can make donations um they've i've been tracking it there's a website called warbird news mm. and anybody that's interested in this kind of story warbirdnews.com there's a, there's also a magazine publication they track all these restoration efforts all over the world um which is usually where i'm where i'm pulling these stories from because it's amazing to watch the craftsmanship mm. that goes into this but but uh, he's exactly right and 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 even better if you're a listener of the show and you find one of these restoration projects around you, go visit them because mm-hmm. I guarantee you they will love to talk to you about their project and even take some pictures, maybe record some audio to send it over to us and and let's feature them because like everybody said on the show right now, it's they, they rely almost entirely on volunteers and donations. So if we can give any of these aircrafts a little bit extra exposure, you know, we'd love to. I wonder if they're looking for a pilot, Armando. That could be a you could sort yeah. of you know because you're you're type rated for this particular aircraft. As we were I mean, early. you know, if you need <laughs> one, I mean, I know a guy. I know a guy. He 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 would he would probably be willing to do a do a low cost airline job over here and have a go. I dare say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. All, genuinely though, all, all jokes aside, because I mean, and, and, you know, we we we're, we're having a bit of a laugh at your expense here because essentially you're type rated on so many aircraft, it's beyond ridiculous. I mean, well, I mean. I mean, how does I mean? Obviously, I mean you're flying the Pilatus like quite regularly now. I mean, how how does trying to process one of these like differ? Um, I mean, obviously it's a turboprop. Or, well, I don't know. Is it a turboprop? It's got props. I know that much. Uh- <laughs> the the one I'm rated in is a turboprop. These are all radial engines, so there's a little bit differences. Nothing that can't be overcome, and. You know, most of these, well, now there still are DC-3s and C-46s in operation and some cargo outfits around the world. You know, those kinds of operators would give you the training. But these restoration warbird efforts for anybody that's interested, usually what it takes is to go volunteer with them and you help them and you get to know them and you start crewing them. Like when, you, when you're talking about uh, uh, Nick Camacho, right, over on APG, he's he helps those guys and he'll get to fly it and you get to know them and they fly, you fly as crew 
to air shows for a couple of years. You sell T-shirts. You help the mechanics. And next thing you know, they put you into the right seat. Um, obviously, having the previous experience and, and the type rating helps. But to be honest, especially with DC-3s and C-47s and C-46s and R-4Ds and those kinds of aircraft, think about how many 19-year-olds flew these aircraft in World War II. Uh, both men and women, they, this was, you go from a steerman to flying a DC three across the ocean or, or over the hump or any of those things. So they're not tremendously difficult with the right amount of training. And with the, with the, a couple months and, and, or years of exposure to the airplane and the air crew, I, I guarantee almost any, any private pilot can sit in the right seat of one of these and get trained up and fly it. And, and that's what these organizations are looking for is somebody who's committed to the organization and the reward at the end is to be able to fly the aircraft. Mm. I bet. I bet. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, okay, we're going to... Uh, we've uh, Before we start wrapping up, Carlos, uh, again, during the show, get lots of WhatsApps and things like that. Uh, now, I've got a, a, a picture here. You know you know how you like to collect what I can only describe as uh, airplane windows now? You, you know you've got this <laughs> collection that's developing nicely uh, oh, in, yes. in your study. Yes. Yeah, okay. Well, I have a picture here from a listener who's done something similar, uh, and it's from Nick Codlings says uh, would pt uk like to see my new airbus window bathroom mirror the frame was bought from plane reclaimers and i got a custom mirror cut to suit the shape and designed and 3d printed bracket to hold the glass in place now obviously this is going to be this isn't going to work very very well for those who are listening on the audio version Uh, but take yourself to uh, this point in the podcast uh, on youtube and you can have a look at this now how classy does that look oh wow that's that's uh that is very nice yeah absolutely yeah absolutely love that that's very very cool isn't it so i just just tried to describe it this is basically it's the frame of an airbus window essentially where he's put a mirror what really nice job really nice job that is very nice i do i love that shall i see if i can get one I don't. I, if I if I were you, mate, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't push your luck if I were you. <laughs> actually, fifteen percent off. Well, quite. Yeah, yes. actually, on yeah, very good point. Actually, Nev, I was I was I was just thinking that actually, for uh, for any of our listeners who may have missed it the other the other week, uh, we have uh, we obviously had the guys from Doors to Manual on the show, and uh, we still have that uh, discount code. Uh, for our listeners to use on the doors to manual website so if you are thinking of uh, maybe uh, grabbing yourself part of an aircraft or bit will be a military aircraft because there's a lot of military stuff on there um, if you go over to doors to manual.com uh, and type in on the promo code box plane talking 15 and that's plane talking one five uh, you'll get yourself a nice little cheeky discount and uh, yeah um, some people have used that, haven't they? Oh, oh really? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Carlos, really? Oh, dear. What did you get? Nothing. 
Uh, although Andy Wilson is saying in the chat room, I spent two hours on their website thanks to you lot. So then, <laughs> oh blimey, yeah. Don't forget, Plain Talking Fifteen is that discount code. Oh, dear. And uh, yeah, actually, Drew, who you know, we had uh, uh, Drew on from the from the team at Doors to Manual. Do you remember on the show he said he showed us the picture he'd got of mm. the uh, lady, the 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 virgin was, yeah, girl, yeah, oh, yeah, ladybird in his room. He's now got the other side now. He has actually has got he? The other side. Yeah, yeah. He's got both sides of the seven Love four that. now with the uh, with the lady, Virgin mm. Lady, Ladybird on there. Oh, hello. Uh, Nick set up his own shop, by the way. Uh, <laughs> while we've been on air, <laughs> actually, I'm surprised yeah. that Jonathan Warner hasn't um, been on their site yet and brought all the um, military various military aircraft parts that they have on there. Well, you see, no, he's got children, you see. that's that's the, They've got better things to spend their money on, I think. Well, no, maybe not better things, but they've got things that... Uh, I love yeah, Andy, uh, Andy Wilson's comment. Uh, Carlos constantly texts me, badgering me to buy stuff. He's aviation equivalent. Oh, dear. Oh, blimey. <laughs> oh, dear. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I, I can neither confirm or deny. But have you have you um, uh, had a look yet, Nev, and sort of um, had a flutter? Well, I've had a look, and I, I can see why it is addictive. And certainly, when Drew was on the show the other week, uh, I had a good old look after. So I've not taken the plunge and uh, bought anything yet. But um, you've not succumbed yet. No, no. no. Um, but um, with all that pro audio gear that I bought. Uh, early yes. in the year, I'm a bit uh, yes. Under, I've been reduced somewhat, mm. so uh, yes, I'm I just coming to um, see what happens. But no, it's yeah. a fascinating time, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Warner's comment in the chat room now says, "I can't visit that site through fear of bankruptcy." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a good point, well made. It has to be said. Uh, yeah, I, I, have, I have other fears of that website. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's called a divorce. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to start to wrap up the show now, and. Uh, for the for anyone who doesn't already know, obviously you all most of you all know. But uh, Nev, where can our awesome listeners go when they want to find us on the social media platform? Yes, it's a very good question, and I would, if I were you, I would go to Facebook, Twitter, or uh, Instagram, and search uh, search those social media platforms for Plain Talking UK. Uh, our WhatsApp number is plus forty four seven five seven double two four nine one six six that's plus forty four seven five seven double two four nine one six six you can email the show at podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and our website is www.plaintalkinguk.com you can subscribe to our youtube channel as well you'll get notifications when we go live and you can help shape the conversation of the show by joining us in the chat room as so many people have done tonight just go to youtube youtube.com and search for Plain Talking UK. Uh, also on our website, there's a link to Amazon. You can do some shopping on there and we get a small referral fee. You can also become a Patreon uh, and make some donations to the show. Uh, you can do that just by going to the website www.plaintalkinguk.com and there's a Patreon link there also. So quick round robin then, uh, what we've got Amanda here. Amanda, what are you up to next week? Well, uh, before I tell you what I'm doing next week, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who came out to our tiny little meetup here in Charlotte last night. Captain Jeff was out 
there. Dr. Steph was out there. We had uh, Brad, who uh, flies for a major legacy airline. We had a wonderful couple who are airplane owners and uh, Carl. So we all had a sort of an APG PTUK meetup. Uh, did we record audio? Nope, absolutely not. Did we take a picture? Nope, did not. <laughs> did not record at all. Thanks but I for guarantee that. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, it was a it was a great time had by all. Uh-huh. Um, and as to what I'm doing next week, well, I won't be on the show, but Matt is uh, picking me up on Wednesday. So we're doing lunch in Cambridge, right, Matt? Uh, well, sure. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we've got some shopping to do, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'll, I'll be over there in the UK on, uh, yeah. on Wednesday of next week. Mm, looking forward to that. Where we'll try and record something. I think that's probably what we need to do. <laughs> we'll do our best. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Nev, what's going on next week in the world of Mr. Bound? Uh, a very early flight to Stockholm, Arlanda, on Monday for a couple of days. Uh, uh, what seat are uh, you in, Nev? Well, I was in 5 Alpha, which is not even what? a seat as far as I'm concerned. That is <coughs> APU territory. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have negotiated uh, with the airline. I am now in 1 Charlie. So uh, things oh, it's are a bit nearer to home. Better. Yeah, a yes. bit nearer to home. I think that's it. Yeah, indeed. That's... Uh, I died. I'm a bit horrified. I didn't even, as you say, I didn't even know that existed. No, I'll, I'll be honest good. with you. Uh, well, what happened there? <laughs> oh, I think there must be some sort of big conference going on because there was a very little um, seat availability at all, mm. and also the flights were really <laughs> expensive. So yeah, there we go. Richard Adams in the chat room says five <laughs> A is practically cargo. cargo. I mean, it is a good point. It is a good point, well made. Uh, that's that's a given. Oh dear. Anyway, Max, what are you up to next week? Do you know? I haven't really thought that far ahead, to be honest with you. You and I are quite busy over the weekend, aren't we? We We've are. Got lots of things going we on. Are, yeah. Looking forward to a little barbecue. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, sort of back to what I got Monday off. Um, so oh, I've got a little bit of website work that I I will no doubt be doing. Um, but other than that, yeah, not really a lot, really. I've, you know, sort of uh, a, a busy day on Thursday, um, as I say, and get, getting to catch up with Armando all being well um in the middle of the week but yeah that 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 the well wednesday's really my highlight frankly so there we go and on monday i should be unloading two van loads of exhibition stands so i'm really looking forward to that oh what fun i know i know what a rock star lifestyle i lead Go anyway on. that <laughs> is where we're going to bring episode 312 to a close big thanks to all the team tonight for being on the show thanks to nev for being on with us as always great to have you back nev big thanks to matt for being in the studio and also to armando as well uh, for joining us as well on the show and thanks as well to our producer john who even though he has been incredibly busy this week mm. has still managed to put uh, the show notes together for us this week on the show and a big thanks as well to all our viewers in the youtube chat room live chat room this evening thanks to everyone there and not forgetting our audio downloaders of the show as well thank you very much to you guys as well for downloading the show each week so that's where we're going to bring episode 312 to or sorry 412 to a close who put 312 in the bottom of the show notes there honestly episode 412 to a close don't forget to join in next week on Friday's show. Hopefully, Armando will be on the ground for that show Five, with us. Four, three, and take care, everyone. Two. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, everybody.